number three. We're going to shift local. Yesterday we had a good bit of fun talking about, hashing out, waffle frying out the uh, Chick-fil-A project over uh, in Cotswold, a neighborhood in Charlotte, uh, where, you know, the Chick-fil-A is so popular because they put the crack in the breading of the chicken that people get so hooked on it. And it's so popular that cars, you know, line up and they pour out into the streets and they got uh, they only have one window. And uh, so it just takes a long time. I mean, the store Chick-fil-A has only got one window. So Chick-fil-A is like, look, we're going to try to fix this. Uh, why don't we do just a drive through only because our our uh, dining room has been closed since the pandemic. So let's just close uh, the dining room permanently, which is going to tear the whole building down, do a bigger kitchen, do two lanes of drive through two windows so we can move people through much faster. And we'll create like uh, some traffic signalization improvements. We're going to have a pedestrian refuge, a little place where people and they're walking across the driveway. They got a place to stop so you can you know, wait on the next round of cars and sort of thing. So th- they're trying to be a good neighbor and they're like this. So we got to go to city council for a rezoning request. But it's a drive-through only. And we all know that kills Gaia Earth. So there was some pushback. It went up for a city council debate and a vote last night. I will tell you, spoiler alert, it passed with an 8-3 to three vote. So Chick-fil-A is going to be able to tear down its location and replace it with a new restaurant. But here is the debate. I pulled some of the sound bites. I watched it last night, so you don't. Uh, you did not have to. So first up, here's Tark Bakari, Republican City Councilman, and he's urging support of the petition. Chick-fil-A, as a business, has been operating out of this location for a lot of years uh, as a very good neighbor um, to the neighborhoods that are around there. And uh, whether we decide to go down this path tonight or not, they will still operate in that spot uh, as a very good neighbor. Uh, We heard from the community early on in this, the same folks we had heard from a couple months before that were highly opposed to the density because of a lot of the infrastructure problems we know exist to the other very controversial rezoning there. And that same organized group came back to us actually supportive of this. And the reason they're supportive is simple. Not only is Chick-fil-A a good neighbor, uh, and is part of their community, uh, this is to take an existing use that will be there no matter what on a very dense, highly traveled by vehicles corridor, and it will make that incrementally better and will enable their customers to get uh, their product more quickly. So in the end, this is what the business wants. This is what the vast majorities of the organized neighborhoods asked us to do. And it makes for a better um, a better business experience and a better uh, use of our transportation corridor in a place of town that is severely, severely underinvested in infrastructure. So I would uh, ask that my colleagues come together. Uh, for those of you who um, are wishing that this was a more a less car-centric solution. I think a lot of people wish that. Sure. In sublevel, I even wish that. Sure. But we have to look at reality as it exists today. No! And people are not crossing this very busy intersection uh, because we have said walkability uh, is something we want. We have to invest in that in the long term. And meanwhile, we have someone in the private sector investing in an innovative way 
to get more cars through quickly a very dangerous area. So I would ask you all to join in supporting um, what is, uh, I believe, a good uh, rezoning petition. All right, so that was Bukhari's speech in favor. Next up, the mayor pro tem Braxton Winston, he opposed it. And then he read into the record a letter that came from the chair of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Planning Commission. The chair's name is Kiba Samuel. Kiba Samuel wrote the letter, according to Winston, after the planning co- or yeah the planning commission voted to recommend approval of the rezoning, and after he had a conversation about it with her. So he's having this offline communication with her, and the body makes its decision. She disagrees with that decision. She expresses opposition to the petition, this rezoning petition, this Chick-fil-A deal. And then Winston tries to relitigate the matter with the zoning committee. That's at the zoning meeting last night. They sit in on, at another table behind the city council. He tries to relitigate this. I, I would ask the, the vice chair of the planning commission, uh, uh, I mean, the zoning committee, excuse me, the planning commission, uh, do we think uh, that this type of development is appropriate land use in urban? Uh, point, of point, order, of order. point of order. Point of order. Point of order. There's a process for this. Right, what, what's the problem here? The problem is they've already gone through the rezoning application process. These bodies have already made their recommendations, but Winston doesn't like it. So Winston wants them to open it back up again. Okay. My hand has been off. My hand has been What can I not, what, um, what is, what is, the, how, how are we allowed to or not allowed to ask questions to the zoning committee? Now, so now he's asking the attorney, well, what's the problem here? Yeah, you, you are allowed to ask questions of the zoning committee. Yes. They have voted. We can ask. Well, that discussion is closed. Oh, my God. There's a process for bringing this to that committee and for talking about it. They went through it. They discussed it. They voted. And I think that point in this discussion has passed. This is Ed Drake's. I really think this is... Ms. Hagel-Gray? I, I thought that um, the uh, Mayor Pro Tem was asking uh, the zoning committee to respond to the um, planning chair's um, comments. Yes. Um, if uh, we are out of the realm of the public hearing um, in the decision portion of um, the zoning meeting, there has been an opportunity for um, council to ask questions, specific questions of um, petitioners. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that we've ever had the question asked to a zoning committee member. Oh, it's a first. During the um, assent zoning uh, decision um, in NODA last year. We've asked questions. We can ask. Okay. It's a, it's a, you're, you're presiding, Mayor Pro Tem? Okay. Right, so. Vice Chair Weldon. So that's another point here. M- Mayor Vi Lyles was not here last night. So Braxton Winston, after pulling off the coup and taking the uh, Mayor Pro Tem position from Dimple Ajmira, she being the top votainer, the one that got the most votes in the election, she should have been the Mayor Pro Tem. She should be running this meeting, but Braxton Winston is now running the meeting. <clears throat> and uh, remember, his part of his other uh, duty as Mayor Pro Tem is to, quote, build consensus. And I guess this is how he's going to do it, by taking a letter from one member of a commission 
that disagrees with the decisions by staff, zoning committee, planning commissioner, all of these different people that all looked at the issue, all looked at the, the petition, and they all came to the same opinion, but because this one person had a conversation with Braxton Winston and he doesn't like this petition, he's going to try to relitigate the thing. That's what the point of order is about. That's what has council members upset. Uh, given the, uh, uh, yeah, I... the chair of the planning commission's um, um, statement, um, can you please respond uh, to the appropriateness of uh, drive-throughs in these urban centers as, as, as outlined in the uh, no. policies that she cited? That's, That's for a point of information. He's asking them to revisit their decision. Yes. Out of order. It needs to be a specific, a specific question. Oh gosh, um, he's not going to do well. This for them to answer. All right, let's hear. Specific uh, informational uh, question. Yeah. Okay. Given, given the, the chair of the planning commission statement, we have a contradiction between. Planning Commission, the, the interpretation of the chair of the Planning you Commission. Have no standing in this process. Can you please respond to the appropriateness? Okay. Um, all right. So the guy just bails him out, right? The zoning committee chairs like, uh, okay, all right. I'll just let me just say this and just take you off the cross here. <laughs> because trying to watch him formulate an argument on the fly is brutal. Brutal. Mayor Pro Tem, I will say that the uh, zoning commission, zoning committee, uh, dutifully examined all of the mm-hmm. uh, information that was in front of us. Mm-hmm. We all uh, had an opportunity to meet with the petitioner mm-hmm. and to get feedback from the community. Right. We all uh, unanimously oh. voted for this petition. Interesting. To recommend it. And uh, I believe that we all continue to stand by that approval. I'm getting mostly head nods. So that is, that is what we, um, we said. That is what we meant. <laughs> Thank you very much. There you go. This is what we said. This is what we meant. You fool. <laughs> Yeah, we voted to approve it. All the reasons we voted to approve it are right there. All the work we put into this question is all right there. Just because you get a letter from a political ally doesn't mean we're wrong. It and, and her letter isn't going to convince us to flip our opinions for you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. New drive-through only Chick-fil-A can be built in Cotswold after the Charlotte City Council approved a controversial rezoning petition Tuesday, says Gordon Rago, the writer at the Charlotte Observer. The popular fast food chain's rezoning petition drew concerns from some on city council and other residents about approving a car-centric development while the city pursues goals to build denser, more walkable neighborhood. It was an 8-3 to three vote. And the mayor pro tem... Braxton Winston, he of the consensus building duties, attempted to short circuit this petition, knowing that more people supported it, knowing that it got approval of staff, knowing it got approval of the zoning committee. He decided to try to 
uh, table it, to defer it. He wanted it rejected. And he read a letter into the record from the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Planning Commission chair who is not representing the Planning Commission. She's just a person. So, like, if I wrote a letter opposing it, would he have would he have been so moved to do this? No. He was trying to use this appeal to authority in order to get his colleagues to reverse the decision, to relitigate. Unfortunately for him, and I don't know how much, you know, politicking and 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 deal making and discussing and salesmanship kind of experience he has. But from what I've seen, it's not a lot. But this isn't how you win friends and influence people. This is not how you get them to your side. This is different than, you know, taking off your shirt, holding up a, a you know a fist in the air in front of a bunch of cops and screaming to a mob that already agrees with you about how much they hate cops. This isn't the same thing. These people are actually professionals. These people, and I'm not talking about council members. I'm talking about like the folks who are on the zoning committee, right? The staff. These are people that have examined this at a level of expertise that you don't have. You just don't have it. And you're going to try to now convince them to change their minds because of a letter from one person. Your options are Chick-fil-A gets its new double drive through two windows and a bigger kitchen, and they pay for a bunch of street improvements, or B, nothing. And Chick-fil-A maintains its current store. Those are the options. Unless you want to try to make the argument that we should just, you know, take out the Chick-fil-A store, which I'm sure he would, right? But that's not one of the legal options available to you. The option is we maintain status quo or we approve this rezoning petition. Malcolm Graham, Councilman Malcolm Graham. He supported this and then gave a bit of a warning. Thank you, uh, Mr. Mayor Pro Tem. I, I too echo my support of, of the petition, um, and I, I think by the reaction of, of everyone around the dais, the the inappropriateness uh, of, of of the request to challenge the zoning committee. I, I think the the zoning committee does a really good job. Um, um, I, I, I'm just going here. I won't read into the record. There's 10 points of of um, recommendations of why they approved it in our booklet. I mean, it's it's um, very consistent um, uh, in terms of why they voted the way they did. Um, I read it before I got here and I understood it. Um, um, uh, their approval. I think Councilmember Ashmere has uh, talked about the the $70,000 of road improvement and. Uh, all the hard work they've done, um, the community supports it. Um, I, I just think that um, we, we really, really ought to be careful uh, uh, in, in terms of how we conduct our business affairs um, as a unit, as a group, and uh, I'll, I'll say that for the record. All right, so what is Graham, What is Malcolm Graham talking about? Bakari elaborates. It, it's just a final three points here, just based on what I've heard. Number one, this was a drive-through yesterday. It's a drive-through today, and no matter what we do around here, it'll be a drive-through tomorrow. The question at hand is, someone with their own dollars in the private sector has decided to come forward and invest to make it better, more efficient, more walkable. Uh, so that's the question at hand. Number two, um, I, aside from the inappropriateness of questioning the great hardworking zoning committee, 
is the highly inappropriate nature of uh, uh, the Planning Commission member sending that note. We have specific processes and roles, and I have already asked staff to look deeply into that because when you serve on this body or a body as an appointee, you are serving on behalf of a unit, not yourself, and you have to fall into those roles. I think that is very important, and I am formally making that request that this get look, gets looked into and addressed because I've I've never seen something like that in the 20 years I've been watching this body operate. And then finally, three, um, I just I, I think it is very important that we send a message, and my colleague, Councilmember Graham, uh, just alluded to it, and I'll say it a little more specifically, uh, to our friends in leadership in Raleigh on both sides of the aisle. Um, there is a majority of people who are approaching this in a balanced manner trying to figure out transportation, moving people, investing in our infrastructure. And every once in a while, individual voices come out and they say things that ruffle feathers up there, uh, that seem to villainize cars. And I know to many of you it looks like people are thumbing their nose at businesses investing in our infrastructure and at Raleigh. But I will tell you, look at the holistic approach as we walk towards this tactical decision, but macro decisions we're trying to make uh, in a balanced manner and know that we're doing our best. Thank you. All right. So uh, and so he's obviously more attuned to the, the leadership of Raleigh and, their, um, and how they're interpreting these messages. And I think that's fair. Right? I, I think that there are people up in Raleigh that are like, you're asking us for a whole bunch of money. You guys really don't want to approve anything with cars, huh? Now, Braxton Winston did say something where he talked about that we should be a city of plans, not deals, because this is a deal, right? And this came up in other rezonings where neighborhoods don't like a particular project that's going in next to them, so they squeeze the developer, basically. They they launch protest petitions, they speak out against it at city council meetings, and they become just a, a nuisance, a royal pain in the butt. So the developers then make concessions, they make deals, in order for the residents, the neighbors, to drop their opposition, and what Braxton Winston is saying is we shouldn't have that anymore. We want plans. Now, the plans, as the Hidden Valley neighborhood is learning, that's higher density. Yeah, you're getting a whole lot more housing crammed into your neighborhood. Sorry about that. But that's what the, that, that's what the plan calls for. And what the neighbors are trying to work is a deal. Now, you can argue both sides of that, right? I, I can see pros and cons. One of the big cons is that you're essentially shaking developers down or businesses, in this case it's Chick-fil-A, for 70K for, for some traffic improvement, right? That's the job of the city. The job of the city is to be doing that, those infrastructure improvements for traffic calming. Not, not a private company that sells chicken. In Asheville, we called it the McKibben Rule. The developer redid the big BB&T building and it's now a hotel. He paid a whole bunch of money into the Affordable Housing Trust Fund in order to get approval for his hotel because Asheville City Council does not like giving approval for hotels. So is that what we're doing? Make a couple of donations to the Affordable Housing Funds for equity purposes, of course, and you'll get your project approved? Because that's what I saw last night on the agenda. A whole lot of money going into projects that council members wanted or funds that they wanted. Talk 1110-993-WBT. 
Join me and every single host here at WBT. Well, not every single host. The weekday hosts. From 6 a.m. until 6 p.m. We're going to be down at the Union County Agricultural and Events Center in Monroe. And uh, we are down there because it is the 31st Annual Union County Crime Stoppers Barbecue. So all the hosts will be broadcasting from 6A until 7P. Sorry, 6A to 6P. Because the event runs from 11 a.m. until 6 p.m. And so I'll be down there live, which is preferable than, you know, being someplace dead. Um, and tickets are, are 10 bucks, plates are 10 bucks a piece. And it's for the Union County Crime Stoppers. They're going to be uh, doing the presentation of the Law Enforcement Officer of the Year. They got the barbecue. Uh, they got uh, local, state, federal representatives. They got uh, the barbecue. They've got live music and the barbecue. So uh, go check out the details at the website, unioncountycrimestoppers.com forward slash BBQ. Um, all right, so what else we got going on here? I saw, all right, I saw that Josh Stein, the the boy governor, the governor-in-waiting, the shadow governor, uh, he has now officially announced he is running for governor. <gasps> no way. Yes. Um, and he put out a video. I have purposefully not watched the video because I wanted to watch it for the first time on the air with you, although you won't be able to see it, but you'll be able to hear it. And I will tell you what I'm seeing as I watch the video. I know it's going to be compelling and rich. Um, Let me go ahead and pull this up here. So again, I have not seen the video I have heard some bits and pieces. I admit I have heard some bits and pieces of audio in our newscasts, but uh, I haven't watched the whole thing. This thing is three minutes long. I I did not know that it was this long. It is a three-minute long video. It was put out this morning at 8.13. It already has 4,113 likes, which is not exactly a juggernaut of virality. Just a heads up. All right. So here we go. Let's, uh, oh, let me plug the, that would help if I plug the computer in. Yes, let's do that. Okay. I will, I will tell you what I'm looking at. If I can decipher it, I'm going to tell you what I'm looking at as the uh, video starts here. All right. It looks like two people. It's like shadows. It's very dark. It's a blue screen. I can tell. I took some film and literature classes back in uh, college. So this is what's, this is a blue screen. So it's not actually nighttime. They just put a dark blue filter over the, camera lens to make it look like it's nighttime, but it's actually not nighttime. You can totally tell because it's lit too well. Anyway, so there are two figures, shadowy figures. You can see their outlines. One of them's holding something. It's glistening in the supposed moonlight. Okay. Oh, somebody's lighting a match. One of the guys is lighting a match. Oh. It was a couple of hours before dawn, a cold February morning in 1971, in Charlotte's West End. Julius Chambers, James Ferguson, and my dad, Adam Stein, were leading the legal battle against discrimination and for equality when their office was firebombed and burned to the ground. I'm Attorney General Josh Stein, and I learned early on that some things are worth fighting for, no matter the opposition. Today, there's a different set of bomb throwers who threaten our freedoms and our future. All right, so now they're showing the January 6th committee. Or or riot, rather. (laughs) Not the committee. No, the riot. Sorry. They're showing... First, they showed... It looked like uh, the... I I think it was the Tiki Tortures. Those idiots. 
that were up in Charlottesville, Virginia, right? And now they're showing the the J6 riot. So so what is he doing? He's calling everybody that was at the Capitol that day, because that's what I'm looking at. He's he's calling all of them the equivalent of the fire bombers of the law offices in Charlotte in 1971. That's what he's saying. Sorry, was there something, was there some sort of racial component going on there at the J6 stuff? No. But it's good to hear that that the guy running to be the governor of all people of North Carolina, he's not engaging in any kind of divisive rhetoric or or cheap politics like that, race baiting. Which, by the way, I'm reading a book called The Paradox of North Carolina Politics by Rob Riel Hunter Who Christensen. And... Uh, Fascinating uh, history of North Carolina politics. Of course, it's written by Rob Christensen, who's a longtime News and Observer guy. So it's you know, and you couldn't, but you know, this award-winning uh, reporter and columnist who who could never figure out that John Edwards was having this you know years-long affair. But whatever. Um, point here is that uh, the book talks about how the Democratic machine operated and how they used race-baiting politics for basically a century, right? Pitting whites against blacks in order to advance the Democrats' political fortunes for their own personal power and, and, uh, and gain. So, I mean, Democrats going to Democrat. So this is probably just par for the course. While some politicians spark division. Oh, now he's got a picture of Donald Trump introducing Mark Robinson at a Save America rally saying spark division. Robinson hasn't even announced he's running yet, but I guess we all know he's going to run. So, I mean, he did put out the book. Ignite hate and fan the flames of bigotry. Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson suggested that God calls men, not women, to leadership positions. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. We went over this. We went over this when they did. They're still they're still hammering this. This is bluing on stuff, too. To be led by men. When it was time to face down Goliath, sent David, not DeVita, David. Homosexuality, any of that filth. And yes, I call it filth. Abortion is a scourge that needs to be run out of this land. Robinson wants to tell you who you can marry, when you'll be pregnant, and who you should hate. No, he doesn't. He doesn't tell you those things. He says that's what he believes. That's what, those are his beliefs. He's been very clear about that. Josh Stein is standing there wearing some sort of a puffy jacket. It's brown, like a, almost like a mustard color. Like he's ready to do some, uh, some uh, hiking up in the mountains or something. And he's got a blue sweater vest underneath it. And then a blue collared shirt, not buttoned at the top and darn sure not wearing a tie. Let's not get crazy here. He seems kind of stiff. He seems like he has short arms. What's up with that? He seems like he has very short arms. I'm running for governor because I believe in a very different North Carolina. One rooted in our shared values of freedom, justice, and opportunity for everyone. Hang on a second. Rooted in our, these shared values, these rooted in these shared values, weren't, North Carolinians had shared values much along the lines of what Robinson was saying up until very recently. This is the like this is the great Democrat scam on these election uh, campaigns, right? It is. It's a scam. It's like 
We're for progress for everybody because the way we were doing it stinks, but I want to appeal to the way we've always been, and that's who we are. This isn't who we are. It's like, well, wait a minute. This is You're, you're saying who we are needs to change. That's what you've been saying. We need to, quote, progress, right, which is always, like, regressive for some reason, their idea of progress. Anyway, so they're going to... They're going to tell us that you know the way we've been doing things is bad because that's the way we've been doing things, and so therefore we need to progress. And by progressing, we therefore achieve the thing that we already believed before we begin the progressing. It's quite the rhetorical sleight of hand, but not really. And I believe the fights we choose show who we are and determine what kind of state we'll become. The fights we... Hang on. The fights we choose... So these are the fights he's choosing to, uh, to be governor. Culture war battles, right? That's what he's doing. He's running a divisive culture war campaign. That's what he's doing. I wonder if the media will report it as such. Has he mentioned anything about fiscal policy? No. Has he mentioned anything about uh, you know, business climate? No. I mean, maybe he will, but so far, no. It's all culture war issues. That's what he's running on. So far. Long-distance dedication, Attorney General Josh Stein. Oh, no, it's it's keep on rolling, not keep on running. Sorry. I take it back. It's not for Josh Stein, who's running for governor in 2024. The worst-kept secret in North Carolina politics. Josh Stein wants to be governor. So he put out this video announcement, three minutes long, three minutes and three seconds, where he equates Trump supporters to uh, racists who burned down his father's law firm here in Charlotte over the uh, the school desegregation lawsuit that Julius Chambers and uh, and Fergie were uh, fighting, and um, along with Adam Stein, by the way, and that's Josh Stein's uh, father. Um, and then he uh, launched into the. Uh, yeah, then he launched into the culture wars, playing clips of Mark Robinson, lieutenant governor, making the various comments. When Look, everybody knew this was coming, right? This is fish in a barrel for Democrats to be shooting at because Mark Robinson has given them all of this, uh, all of these targets, all of these speeches he's been doing. And some of the comments are ripe for the picking and some of them are, you know, mischaracterizations. And there was one of each that I heard right there. But um you knew the Democrats were going to do this. And so now it looks like they're moving to the part where they start talking to, quote, real people in the video. About a minute and 40 seconds in, and uh, they've got a woman, a business owner from Durham. We'll be calm. After law school, Josh chose to work in underserved communities, bringing investment to small businesses and neighborhoods that have been left behind. Josh took on corporate greed, saving taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars, cracking down on Medicaid fraud by health care providers. As attorney general, Josh Stein tackled the rape kit backlog. Oh, my God. Survivors and put- oh, my God. That's such a lie. Oh, my God. That is such a lie. How dare you? He tackled the backlog. That backlog was supposed to have been cleared. That backlog, Roy Cooper told us that backlog was cleared. That was a lie. Then Josh Stein said he cleared it. 
That was a lie. He got uh, he got uh, challenged by the Forsyth County DA, Jim O'Neill, and and Josh Stein lied in his campaign commercials to the point where he had charges filed against him. They're now in court arguing over the constitutionality of whether or not this law uh, is uh, suppression of free speech. And Josh Stein's office is taking the position that we should be allowed to lie about our opponents in campaign materials. This is what this is our attorney general. Oh, my God. Putting rapists behind bars. In the opioid fight, Josh stood up for families like mine and never backed down. He's holding big drug companies accountable for the lives they wrecked, and he's attacking the fentanyl That's crisis. That's the opioid my settlement. My teaches me that we're all children of God. And, and by the way, the opioid settlement funds, I believe he gets to control that. The attorney general's office gets to control it. This has been a long-running practice in North Carolina. You get a big fat settlement from some deep-pocketed you know, tobacco company. That was Mike Easley's, I believe. Uh, you set these things up, and if they're parts of lawsuit settlements or fines collected, uh, I believe, then it, then you get to control the money. And so then they, they dole out the money to their friends, to organizations that, you know, do the work to combat, like, the opioid epidemic. But it's controlled by the attorney general's office, and so you know who you can count on. Vote for Josh Stein. This has been going on for 30 years in North Carolina. And they were called to make a difference. This is our moment oh. to protect our freedoms and democracy. Oh, my God. Provide every child a great education and expand economic opportunity to every corner of the state. Because if you work hard, where you come from should never limit how far you can go. It we'll doesn't. build a better and brighter North Carolina by standing up for what's right, fighting to fix what's wrong, and doing right by every single North Carolinian, no matter who you are. That's the North Carolina you and I believe in, are fighting for, and can build together. But it's up to us. Please, join us. No thank you. No thank you, Josh. I would appreciate you not being our governor. That's just me. All right, let me get uh, Rick on. Hello, Rick. Welcome to the show. Uh, glad to get on here. Yeah, got about a half a minute, but it's all yours. Okay. Um, Robinson will be very hard to vote for. Dale Falwell, if, if he comes out as a Republican, uh, that's who I'll be backing. I'm very independent on my voting record and uh, voted for McCrory one time, didn't the second time. Uh, Dale Falwell would be great. I hope he gets to run i don't want to vote for stein but i would not be voting for robs right so uh in a gop primary the names so far being bandied about and rick i appreciate the call uh are lieutenant governor mark robinson but also uh the state uh treasurer dale falwell and yeah falwell is a much different kind of a candidate i don't know if he can beat robinson in a primary but we'll see Rick, I do appreciate the call. Thanks for everybody for the emails, the tweets, and everything. It was uh, I enjoyed interacting with you, Brett Winterbull. Coming up next, we'll talk with you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.